0: Hello, my name is Kim Lombard. I'm uh, an actor, writer, producer for the show Pink Is In,
1: and uh, this is my partner. Lisa Crawford. I am the creator and producer of the show Pink Is In, and we are on Pop Culture Addicts.
2: Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world.
3: You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. (laughs) <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts, are you ready for your pop culture fix?
2: Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guests today are Lisa Crawford and Kim Lombard from the hit show Pink Is In. Lisa is one of the show creators and Kim is one of the show writers. And they're also not only part of the creativity behind the show, but they're also part of the show as well they are actors in the show and so we're very thrilled to have them here with us today we're going to talk to them about the show pink is in and of course we'll ask them some serious questions and of course a silly one here and there as well so welcome to the show guys so very glad to have you
0: a pleasure to
1: be on your show thank you for having us yeah
0: thanks kathleen thanks kim it's uh tim it's really a pleasure to be here
1: yeah thank you
3: for joining us we're excited so
2: before we get too far into things about the show Pink is In, Uh, I want to help the audience understand something, because if they watch trailers and information about Pink is In, some may feel that they've seen this show before on Netflix with another show that was called Orange is the New Black. So please tell our audience why your show is definitely not that show and why they need to watch Pink is In, other than the fact that Chatworth, Chatworth is a good hang.
1: What, well um, i know uh, orange's new black did come to an end um but now that's why pink is in obviously but we are different in the way that we are a comedy they're more of a drama based mm-hmm. uh, prison comedy we are purely a wacky comedy written by the brilliant writer kim
0: you're, you're staring at him <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um yeah actually that's a great question right off the top uh we did worry that we would get comparisons to orange is the new black, but that has really not happened for a number of reasons. And one of them is like Lisa just said, um, orange is the new black is, is more of a serious project with some funny parts in it. Whereas this is a flat out wacky comedy. And it's also the difference here is that we focus more on the inept, uh, the ineptitude of the, of the prison administration, not so much on the, on the, on the inmates, but more on the administration. Um, and also I think, uh, Another thing that makes us kind of different and interesting is the fact that Lisa, for example, uh, who created the show, she's from South Africa. Uh, our DOP is, um, is a guy from Texas. Uh, the director is a guy from Tel Aviv. So there's this, and, and, I was born in, and I was born in England. Obviously, I've lived in Canada and the U.S. most of my life. But I went back to England to learn comedy script writing and, and get a, and, uh, a handle on how the Brits write comedy. So we've actually had quite a few comparisons to uh, British comedy with Pink is in.
2: Yeah, it's very fair. Uh, so I have to admit, when I first heard about the show, when Trish was telling me, Trish Renoni, who I'm talking about, who, who stars as Top Dog uh, in the show, uh, when she was telling me about it, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, so it's going to be like another Orange is the New Black. I'm, I'm very happy to say, just as you guys have also said, it's very much not that type of show. Right. I love the fact that it is very off the cuff, very irreverent humor. Um, uh, you guys are willing to make a joke, I think literally just about anything. And I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I love the fact that nothing's sacred. Um it, No, in all honesty, I mean that because I love British humor. I love the fact that, that British humor allows, allows them to make a joke about anything. Nothing's, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing that they, mm-hmm. they go, they, Oh, well, we can't make a joke about that. No, they'll make a joke about anything. And uh so, yeah, so good on you guys for, for making a show that is very much unlike anything I've seen before. Oh, that's quite the compliment. Thank you so much. Thank you.
3: Yeah. I also am a big fan of British humor and that is definitely a, a big selling point to me was the, it's british humor i can i can understand british humor it's
0: great yes um you did say uh, early off the top of the show uh we were briefly discussing uh bad language and politics and religion i don't know if you noticed but there's actually no swearing in pink is in i don't think there's any f-bombs or anything else right uh uh, we we made one small crack about a u.s politician but it was just that it was so funny we we didn't want we didn't want to not use it. And it got sure. 400,000 views on one of the social media sites. Yeah, I don't know. Who, who was it that gave us almost 400,000 views?
1: Um, it was on actually uh, Bell5 TV, one of their uh, social medias. Yeah. With, with this show, you know, uh, one of the things I, as a creator, I said, you know, I want to try and hold back on any profanity or nudity in mm-hmm. the show. Um but also with, and this is where Kim uh, came in brilliantly with the, the writing, they said, but we do want to sort of touch on adult humor so that if a kid mm-hmm. is watching the show, it's just going to fly right over oh, their yeah. head, but the adults mm-hmm. are going to get it. And that's what yep. we aimed for this
2: show. Well, I, I think that's that's really good writing because, uh, frankly, if you're going to have a show that you can watch in front of everyone and everything, you know, there I look at movies and shows that are all around us that are, you know, the – that shows that are written for kids, for instance, that have so much adult-laced humor in it that the, the kids are never going to get the joke. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because I have three kids and I watched a lot of cartoons in my days, and I'm not saying you guys are an animated show, but I'm saying that, you know, there's a, a different type of writing where you can have a, a joke for everyone in the room where there's, mm-hmm. multi, there's multiple layers to it, where the, mm-hmm. the kids are going to get it at one layer And the adults are going to get it at a whole nother uh, level and layer. And it just makes it that much more entertaining.
3: See, and I love shows like that, too, that then you watch as an adult and you're like, whoa, I missed that joke growing up. (laughs) Why did my parents let me watch this? It's like, because you had no idea what was going on, kid. That's why.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you didn't need to. But your parents got the joke and that's what matters.
3: Right, right. No, so we're definitely did- try- Sorry to interrupt.
0: We were definitely okay. trying to be careful in that, in that regard. And also something that we've learned as we've moved forward is that there are a number of Canadian shows, uh, some you may know, some you don't, uh, that didn't do particularly well in Canada, but when they were shopped around the world, mm-hmm. um, they were sold in countries that are a lot more conservative. And uh, so we thought, you know what, why limit our, our audience? You know, if, if, mm-hmm. if, if, if you go, you know, if somebody in the Middle East likes it, like, for example, there's a... There was a Canadian show called Little Mosque on the Prairie. Love that and, show. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. And it, it was is. pretty innocent, to be honest. And it was very, very big in the Middle East. And hey, that, that works for me. You know, if, if somebody wants to pick up our shows yeah. somewhere like Jordan or Israel, somewhere like that, I'm all good, you know. Right, yeah.
3: That and Corner Gas.
0: Yes, uh, that's another great example of a show that's quite innocent, really.
3: And did remarkably well in the United States when it, it came yeah. to... Our side, our viewing of, of the show, that it did very, very well here. Letter so Kenny,
2: I, not so innocent. But, you know.
3: <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> Kenny or, or Trailer Park Boys is another one. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> so I understand that the first season was filmed over a two week span, which is a ridiculously tight schedule for any project. Yeah. But then you had some extra challenges due to this whole global pandemic thing that I think <laughs> we're all super sick of. Yes did that deadline crunch foster any spontaneous creativity or was the whole project by the numbers every take because you didn't have time to mess around?
1: I I actually think it worked to our favor because we didn't even have time for rehearsals so um, like everybody just had to bring their A game right there and then you know I remember uh, one of the characters actually it was IQ she said that voice and that tone sort of just came on the day And because we were on a very tight budget, very tight schedule, we just had to do. But what I think what happens on our set is, and this started from the day one when we first did our teaser, there's this magic on set. You know, we've got everybody that's on set is positive and you feel the energy on that set. So you just come in there and you just, boom, do it.
0: Yeah, and to to elaborate on what Lisa was saying, um, when you're on film sets, there's a crew and there's the cast, but they don't usually join together. And ours is a family. And everybody says that. We just had a wrap party. All the crew was hanging out with the cast, the cast with the crew, everybody's friends. And everybody, all they kept saying was, man, we can't wait to shoot more episodes. And that's thanks to Lisa and what she's talking about with with, um, positivity. Everybody is so positive that this show is going to be a very, very – Long, it's going to have a long run. You okay. know, we're we're aiming for eight seasons, and we all think it will happen.
3: I feel like too with the the tight scheduling. You said you didn't have time for rehearsals. That also means that the the actors don't have time to second guess their characters. They don't have time mm-hmm. to think. Well, am I doing this right? Am I portraying this person the way that they should be portrayed? When mm-hmm. you kind of just go with your gut feeling, and I feel like that that really worked out in in your show's favor.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah,
0: um, and w- what you're saying is very true because um, I, I I wrote the first four episodes, but I, because we didn't get to rehearse, I only saw what the actors brought to the character while we were shooting. Once I saw what they what they did, especially uh, Lisa. Lisa was talking about one of the characters' IQ, mm-hmm. the way she walked and the way this halting way that she talks, and she has a nasal. Her voice is very nasal. Um, it was so much easier uh, to write the next. A batch of, of episodes because I watched her in action and I thought oh okay I get what she's doing and it was much easier to write for the characters. You,
2: you, you kind of touched on this a minute ago you kind of led it into my, my next question because you talked about wanting to make this thing uh, as a family setting and a family feeling how did you get to that to happen because it doesn't seem to happen on many sets and how did you get that to not only happen but then translate that feeling to on screen where there's a chemistry on
1: screen. I think uh, one of the things that we where we were different to most other productions is you know a lot of uh, movie sets and films tv sets that you go and they'll make you sign an on disclosure and you're not allowed to post anything about the show and but we said right from the get-go we said we are very supportive of social media I said as long as you don't give away too much of the plot line feel free to post and that's what we were doing awesome. and, and you know, after we wrap, as you say, we all keep in contact with everybody, and everybody's um out there helping promote. You know, mm-hmm. one thing with our show, even though we we came in on a very tight budget, we have a lot of actors. I think the first season we had like 26 actors, and in this next season that we just wrapped recently, we had like 30. So, so we have a big ensemble of cast and um. So we, we do have that that big sort of network, but I think it's every every single person on that set, from the cast to the crew, everybody is so positive about the show, and they have a feeling that this is going somewhere, and they just feel fortunate to uh, you know to be part of it. When we had the wrap party, we we had a lot of the young crew, you know, we we yeah. gave a lot of people the chance, and they were just. Come into me some of them were just so thankful that we gave them this opportunity and just to be part of a show and they feel it they feel that this show is going somewhere
0: you asked uh, something earlier i think it was kathleen was talking about sort of language and and um trying to keep it tame i i like clever humor and you know you were saying you like british stuff i do too Mm -hmm. and if it's hard to explain like if you see a stand-up comedian and he's swearing a lot usually the jokes aren't that clever. He's, he's going for shock value. Right. But when you awesome. watch British comedy, like I'm a big fan of a show. I'm sure Lisa's getting bored of hearing me say this, but I love a show called the it crowd. <laughs>
3: the show yeah. Which yeah. I
0: haven't
1: seen yet.
3: Oh my oh, word. My you goodness. need to change that. <laughs>
0: it's so, I mean, and you know, it's funny when I went to England, I, I, I went to school at a place called Thames Valley university. And while I got to England, um, I was so excited because I was going to learn about British uh, writing. And This is, Back a few years ago and they were into the king of queens and they were into everybody loves raymond and i'm like no no you can't <laughs> be into that I, I came here to learn british right uh, we found common ground because they all liked Frasier. and mm-hmm. if, if you watch Frasier, whether you like it or not it, you have to admit it's very clever the, the mm-hmm. humor is brilliant so so that's what i, I I know mine's more wacky because I I just have a really warped sense of humor. Anything that's weird, <laughs> I like. Um, and, and some of my favorite stand-up comedians are the weirdest ones, like guys like Stephen Wright or, or Oh yeah, Mitch Hedberg or Oh yeah, or, or Jessel Nick Anthony Jesselnick. You know, I know he's he's way out there, but it's it's still clever. It's really smart humor, and that's the joke's I, coming. Yeah, I like that kind of stuff.
2: No, it's great stuff. It really mm-hmm. is. Uh, one of the things I like about Jesselnick is that, um, you know, he, yeah, some of his language gets a little salty every now and then, but the, the, the language isn't there to sell the joke.
0: Right. I really agree with you on that.
2: You know, and, and, uh, and even with British humor, if British humor uses language, it's more because it's um, representing the, the area or the culture of the people that they're that they're talking about or with. Mm -hmm. or the community that 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 the Mm -hmm. like my okay for example um my favorite movie one of my favorite movies of all time uh is the british version of death at a funeral yep uh just and that has some some salty language in it in comparison Mm -hmm. to you know other things uh but if you were in that group of people that that conversation would seem normal it's not it's not i don't i don't feel like it was forced in there i don't feel like ever i never felt like they were including words in that movie just to to get a rating whereas you know you watch some movies like we watched uh i love ryan reynolds uh you know i'm a huge fan yeah but and we watched his movie free guy uh recently my daughter and i and we love the movie it's great it's hilarious but there's an f-bomb in that movie and my daughter looks at me and she goes well that was for the pg-13 Right. You know, uh, and, you know, so it was it was not necessary. It was forced. And so I think that you can do that without without forcing it.
3: In my mind, writing, producing and acting are all very separate jobs. But you both did all three in the series. You all have you both have writing, acting and producing credits for the series. So how much did knowing that you would be acting in your production affect your writing?
1: I actually said to, but as a creator, I'm not really the writer, that's Kim's job, but creative, and we do throw ideas together. I did say to him, because I'm producing, uh, just keep my role uh, pretty small. (laughs) Keep my lines. I don't want to have to remember my lines. Uh, You know, just keep them short. But it worked for the character, you know. Somebody was just saying the other day, They actually it was one of the crew, they said, you know, your character is one of my favorites it says you don't say much Mm -hmm. but uh because i know i use a lot of expressions especially in season two um and and they said and and so it worked and that's how i was able to balance but there is that you know you're producing on set and next minute they call you oh we're going to need you to set then all of a sudden you have to switch into that uh, character mode It, Mm -hmm. it, it is just something that you have to get used to but um it's just part of the job.
0: Yeah, it was funny because Lisa would be putting out this major fire as the producer, and then they'd call her to set, and she had to become Nez Renko, the character. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not easy to turn on and turn off the character. You know, you want to have some time to get your wrap your head around what you're about to do. But meanwhile, right. meanwhile, she's, you know, worried about whether the food for 40 people is about to show up on time <laughs> sort of thing, you know. Uh, but with regards, I'll tell you from the very, very top, I'm, I'll, I'll go back to the very beginning of the story, which is kind of fun. Um, Lisa called me up and asked if I would be involved in a teaser for a prison show idea that she had. And I, I was laying in a neck brace. I don't know if you noticed my character's wearing a neck brace and uh, I was, re- I would really had surgery because I used to be a drummer for many years. So I, um, I, I said, well, I, I really would love to do it, but I'm, I'm lying here on my back for the next 40 days, while my neck heals up I can't take this neck brace off but then uh, I called her back about four hours later and I said you know well why can't the character be wearing a neck brace and she said he can so I ended up (laughs) about a month later showing up on set with it just just had gotten the neck brace off but I have to tell you um, the scene I did so I didn't even realize this at the time that the actress we had playing the warden couldn't make it so our casting director Darren he quickly found a friend of his to replace the lady that was supposed to play the role and I came in and my first scene was with the warden mm-hmm. and thank goodness I did not know who she was because I would have been so nervous I was would have freaked out because she's actually a very very accomplished actress and a very and she's an mm-hmm. acting coach and a voice coach and I didn't realize any of that and thank goodness I I I didn't because it would have really <laughs> sent me over the edge um but as it turns out she's just such a nice person and she's really helped me a lot and surprisingly she's helped me more as a writer than as as a as an actor she's just offered some really really experienced um comments about my writing and and where to take the show so
3: that's cool do you think it's because she has so much experience on the other side of it that she can help you with your writing a little bit just seeing it from a different perspective
0: i would suggest i don't know if she's not i don't think she's a writer or a producer or anything but she's just been involved in so many projects that she knows good writing when she sees Mm -hmm. it and um so she was very complimentary but she also said hey you know if you do this or if you do that uh it really helped my my writing down the road with the newer episodes
2: so complimentary but critical when needed yep
0: Yep, and, it, and it's all, like, everything she says is valid. Like, I'm like, oh, wow, she's right. I should do that, you know. So yeah. she's really awesome, and she's she's incredibly talented. I don't know. Maybe, Lisa, you, you know a little bit more about her if you want to.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's She actually, um, Darren and knew her from the days in theater. So she's done a lot of theater. She's also um, one of the voices of uh, My Little Pony, and mm-hmm. she does a lot of animation uh, work, and, and she's – She does quite a lot of other roles in in other series Uh, you always see her pop up yeah and then and um, she was also recently uh filming in in russia uh tv series called isamia so uh, which uh, funny enough she was actually with one of the guest stars that we have in season two which was uh, patrick mckenna Mm -hmm. that they they had worked together before
2: I had I had seen another interview, or it wasn't an interview, rather it was a review, excuse me, uh, of Pink is in, and they had said that you had used a lot of characters who hadn't gotten an opportunity to shine in, in other roles and other works, uh, but who were quality people, and that's that's clearly evident that that the characters that you brought in, the actors that, and actresses that you brought in to to uh, provide these characters are quality, but did you do that on purpose? Uh, was there a reason for for going for people who haven't had the opportunity to shine yet?
1: Yes, um, that is because um, as as you know, I am transgender. So mm-hmm. as as um, starting up as an actress, you know, I was faced with um, it was a little bit difficult uh, with trying to get roles. There weren't that many roles written for transgender, and you know, sometimes if I applied for a transgender role, they said I wasn't transgender enough. And uh, then they, when I applied for female roles, they said I was too tall, or too big, you know, I just, and that I can't do. So so I thought about, you know, I said, you know, I want to start doing some of my own work. And and it encouraged me to help other people, give other people the chance. I love giving people the chance. You know, on this um, Pinkers I had three of our actresses come up to us. And one of them is even Trish because she said to me she always gets cast as you know the 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 girlfriend's kind of role in that and Mm -hmm. and when I she was the very first person I thought of playing Top Dog and she loved the challenge that to play the sort of mean character Mm -hmm. where she doesn't normally get that another one was actually uh, Paige Locke who plays IQ she said you know she always gets cast as the blonde bombshell and 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 never gets really challenged and with this role it really challenged her. Um, another character we actually introduced in season two uh, was a little person and uh, she came to me and, and she I mean oh my god when we wrapped she came and gave us presents in the road this beautiful uh, yeah, nice thank lady. you note you know and she said you know thank you for giving her the opportunity because she actually, um, being a little person that always cast her in that role, mm-hmm. but what we've done with Pinkers in, we have quite a lot of um, transgender, non-binary, genderqueer, uh, BIPOC, all these different um, diversities on our show, but we're not making it an issue of right. the shows or their characters. They just happen to be a character that's played by a transgender person or sure. non-binary uh or whatever like that and and that's how we did it and, and even in uh season two we actually introducing a drag queen into uh season two uh-huh.
3: no. that'll be fun yeah
1: very funny <laughs> very right. funny very good
3: well, drag cool queens have the best makeup tips they yeah. really really do <laughs>
0: yeah our makeup people are great, too. but yes,
3: the number of drag queen like makeup YouTube tutorials yeah. they're incredible. I'm like, how do mm-hmm. you do that? Yeah, how do yeah. you sculpt your face to look like that? and yeah. it's it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing <laughs> my, what my, they can do.
0: My granddaughter was on set one day, she's ten years old, and she couldn't believe it was the same person. Yeah, he, he looks, you know, Darren's fabulous, you know, and he's wearing a shocking pink wig. And it's just, yeah, he's, he's terrific, <laughs> really terrific.
2: So typically, guys, when we have one person on the show, uh, we go into a bit more of a deep dive about that person, uh, their, their, their background a little bit. What got them from point A to point B and what they're doing uh, in their career. And, you know, we kind of take like a little bit of a retrospective uh, from time to time. Uh, but when we talk to more than one person, it, it's, it gets a little more difficult to do that, as it is here with you guys. Not that you guys are difficult. That came out wrong. Um,
3: <laughs> they're not difficult. They're, <laughs> they're not difficult. My brain You're is difficult.
2: difficult. So let's let's make sure that we're... But we, our conversations tend to, about your careers and things tends to be a little bit more surface because we don't have the time to get into a, a deeper dive about your personalities, your backgrounds, etc. But what I would like you to do, if you don't mind, is to take a moment and tell us something about you that we don't know something maybe a bit of trivia perhaps what got you here what makes you tick so to speak um and then you know just because you know tell us what your favorite poutine is because you know um
0: poutine Poutine. that's so funny poutine's not really in ontario it's a quebec thing
2: (laughs) but it's there you can buy it i know i've
0: been there (laughs) really (laughs) that's true i didn't know that
3: (laughs) they've got some pretty good poutine in toronto
0: Really? You know, I honestly didn't know that. I always thought right. I, I was a musician, so we used to play in Quebec, and they'd always go nuts. The guys in the band would get it when we were in Quebec. So mm-hmm. that's funny. Well,
1: well, I grew up in in Durban, South Africa, which had a large large uh, East Indian um, uh, you know population there, mm-hmm. and they would always make these. Great curries. So I would mm. say if I had to have a poutine, I'd love to have it with a bit of curry sauce on it. <laughs> I could that see that. That sounds
3: wonderful. Honestly,
2: yes. I could see that. That would I love curry, so um
3: and you can't go wrong with anything with potatoes. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. well, let's all take a moment.
3: Right. Not, We're just gonna a take a up. moment to think about potatoes.
2: Yeah. Uh, way to go. You made the chubby guy salivate. All right. Yeah. Hey, so... it's a... <laughs>
3: The Irish genetics, we can't help it.
0: I can't help it.
2: We I'd glow
3: under fluorescent lights and we love we potatoes. Cry at the mention of potatoes.
0: <laughs> well, your your, uh, your show's only an hour, so my my backstory is about a four hour story. So the Reader's Digest version is that I morphed from being a musician, I was a drummer uh, for many, many years. And then uh, the band imploded in Los Angeles, and I came back to Toronto and just with my tail between my legs after having lived in my car for a couple of months. And um, I was sitting at home and out of the blue, I got a call from my crazy cousin who actually lives in Montreal. And he said, hey, I'm in France. I'm st- I've started an animation company. Um, come over and work with me. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I don't know anything about animation. He's like, no, no, you'll be the motion capture actor, which is the guy that stands on a stage. It's called a boxing ring. And then there's oh. a semicircle of kind animation. Of yep. And I wear the suit. But I was in the very beginning. So the suit was, I was gaffer taped into this suit every day. But the reason I tell the story is because while I was there, I was very, very lucky and I got to go to Cannes, where the Cannes Film Festival mm-hmm. is. Oh, yeah. There seven times over two years and for different events. And that's how I started to become interested in, uh, in, in writing. So um, I did this animated series for, with my cousin for almost two years. And then sadly, 9-11 happened and we lost all our clients who happened to be in the United States. And um, so I ended up back in Toronto and then and then flew over uh, a couple of years later, flew over and went to, went to England. That's how I started uh, writing. And uh, so that's how I morphed from from a musician into what I'm doing today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually got into the film business very late in life. It was a childhood dream that I had. My father had this book from the 1940s from the Cigarette Company and you had to collect these cards. Um, and they were all pictures like from the Oscars and uh, classics like Gone with Wind there Charlie Chaplin and, and all these. And I used to look at this at a kid and I'd say, you know, one day I'm going to go to Hollywood and I'm going to become a filmmaker. But, you know, everybody just grows up and they... Do other careers. So I ended up in the Caribbean working in the casino business there. Um, I ended up running five of the casino slot operations there. Uh, but when I came to Canada and my son grew up and then I transitioned, I said, hey, it is time to do things that I like. And I read something about that background actors were making $200 a day. I said, well, I am going to try that. So I tried that and I saw what the actors were doing on on thing, I said, I think I can do that, so I took some acting lessons, and this was in 2017, landed a few roles, and then 2018, I said, right, I want to start making my own films, I did my first two films in 2018, met Darren, um, and we did two of his films, uh, Stroke of Fate and Digging Up Dorothy, and then all of a sudden that year, that's when Pink is In came about, and then all of us had come together: Kim, Aaron, Darren, uh, Caroline, one of the co-creators, and my wife, who's always supported me, Goldie. Uh, with my, she always used to think I'm crazy, you know, trying to pursue my career. But then she realised, hey, this this is going somewhere. Um, so that's uh, yeah, I've I've really had in the last three years. I always say to people, jokingly, I said, you know, because I got into the business. So late in life, what normally takes a person ten years, I have to do it in one year. So that's why I'm so so <laughs> driven to, yeah, to make well, it happen. But, but you know, actually, there's an interesting backstory with Lisa
0: and I because we were both background extras. Um, I, mostly, I do I do a lot of I did a lot of stand-in work. Um, I've stood I stood in for some some pretty happening actors. And uh, but I was doing background one day on what was the show we were on, Lisa? Um, that was
1: Holly Hobbit.
0: Oh, Holly, Holly. Holly Hobby. Holly, Holly Hobby. Holly Hobby. And we started talking, yeah. and we both realized we have really, really warped sense of humors because we were yeah. both talking about one of my favorite, favorite movies in the world is, is one, it's three hours and 20 minutes long. And it was made in 1963. And it's called It's a Mad, 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 Mad World.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: when they made that film. Uh, you, if you weren't in it, you just weren't a big actor because every single Hollywood actor of, of note is in that right. film. Um, and so the, you, know, you don't know a lot of, didn't, didn't know a lot of people that had even heard of the film, but Lisa and I started talking about it and started talking about all the weird stuff. Um, but if you think about it, that film there is quite an innocent film. There's no bad language in it, no nudity or anything. And so I guess we, we came together because we have that same sense of humor. That's cool. That's a cool story. Mm.
2: I like that.
3: So in the old days of the internet, there wasn't any video hosting anywhere, really. Now we have YouTube, Roku TV, all of these other streaming options. For instance, your wonderful show, Pink Is In, is currently available to rent or buy on Vimeo, which is not someplace that I normally go for my entertainment, but I will for your show. So (laughs) it's not in the top 10 streaming services, but probably should be. But with the continued development of digital media, what do you think is going to be the future of independent film and television?
1: I think it's definitely um, is uh, moving towards more streaming. Uh, we do have a US distributor in LA and that's where we're hoping to get them to some of the US networks. Uh, but I, I remember I, I did speak to um, uh, one of the film festivals and there was somebody from the States that came to visit. And I, I was asking them, I said, you know, what is the future with, um, you know, the the broadcasters? And, and they said they feel that in a few years' time they might be out. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to actually happen, but there's definitely more in on this video on demand, the streaming services more and more uh, coming up. So we're really hoping to, to get Pinkers in on one of these, um, whether it's... Uh, I mean there's Tubi, there's there's netflix ideally i'd love to be on netflix that's my goal but I'll, i will settle for any of the other streaming <laughs> companies
0: yeah we were trying to follow a similar path to uh the show shits creek
2: mm-hmm. sure
0: uh, and they they were out a very very small streaming service in the u.s which helped them break through um i've forgotten what they're called but uh, we we're hoping to follow a similar path where you maybe start off small at grassroots level and then mm-hmm. build
1: Kim just touched on something, and that's where how we also approach in uh, Pinkers Inn. There is this good grassroots campaign. You know, the amount of sponsors uh, that we've had that have actually come forward and actually uh, helped sponsor our show has been very incredible. So, um, you know, if, if we don't get that big deal on the top, we're going to grow from the bottom up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and actually, that you've just touched on something that that we haven't mentioned to to the hosts, and that is that um, we shot in a town called Hamilton. And a lot of shows like Umbrella Academy are shot there. A uh, number of them, uh, Murdoch Mysteries. I'm not sure if you know them. But mm-hmm. one of the story is that they always, they'll, they'll put up U.S. mailboxes and U.S. street signs and you'll see the U.S. flag, which is fine. That's, you know, they're co-productions with the U.S. So that's fine. But we did the opposite. Uh, one of the ways we got our deal was because we said to the execs at, at, at Bell Media that we we want to we want to showcase, showcase Hamilton and so we we didn't hide the fact that we were in we're in canada we're in this little town called hamilton although it's not that small anymore it's a half million people um but but we were able to get sponsors because we said no no we're going to showcase the town so a lot of uh, hamilton hamilton uh, businesses came on board based on that
2: i think it's a really smart business move honestly mm. you know really i mean
0: yeah.
2: um a lot of movies get shot in different locations and you never get to see that it's you know, how many times is a movie shot in Vancouver that actually says it's from Vancouver? Yeah. You none, know, yeah. none. You know, no. uh, it's always Chicago or L.A. or you know, mm-hmm. or, or a facsimile of of those whatever. I think it was a really good idea, personally, to to tell them that hey, we're gonna this is gonna be a show about you know in Hamilton,
3: you about know, not Hamilton.
2: about Hamilton and all yeah. those other things. Yeah. It's really smart.
3: I've also been to Hamilton. As soon as you said Hamilton yeah. again, I'm like, oh right, yes. I've been there. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we did a lot of um, Ontario touristing growing up, which was fun. Okay. Oh,
0: that's great. Yeah, it's nice. And when I was the same uh, going to the United States uh, with my family. You know, we've we've traveled we tra- as a family. We traveled extensively around the U.S. And, and
1: uh, yeah. Yeah. And just another little trivia thing. I don't know if you knew this about Hamilton. Did you know that we have about 100 waterfalls around Hamilton?
3: Hmm.
1: I that did That was not. part
3: of the reason we were there. <laughs> oh, OK yeah my my dad was big into taking us to waterfalls, natural anything nature wise. And then he also had a big thing for um historic historical sites. so we'd go to forts and battlegrounds and all sorts of things. Yeah. But yeah, waterfalls, um we did circle tours of all of the great lakes. so we did uh-huh. circle tour of Lake Huron, including the Bruce Peninsula. We took the Chichiman across. we did it was. It was fun when you see that beautiful crystal Caribbean blue water in Lake Huron and then you remember that it's crystal and Caribbean blue and 42 degrees. <laughs> yes, that's right. You can see to the bottom, but it's rigid. It's,
2: yeah, it's going to be cold for a reason. Yeah. Alright guys, we have so appreciated you guys being here, but before we can let you go, we have to ask our obligatory super silly question. If animals could talk,
1: which one would be the rudest? I would say the cheetah, because he he might cheat. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to
0: say the rudest animal would be a hippopotamus. They're oh, they're God. known to not be friendly animals. <laughs> um, so yeah, that would be the rudest animal by far.
2: I can see that. And cheetahs are cats, and cats are jerks. I can say that. I'm a cat <laughs> owner. I love my cats, but they're jerks. You so are not fine.
3: a cat owner. You are owned by cats. That's right. Well,
2: that's, that, yeah. well yeah. There's that's a probably, big difference. There. That's probably more accurate. That's true. You're an employee.
3: You clean so. up after them, you feed them, they <laughs> own you. All right, you guys, thank you so much for being on our show with us today. Thank you. Where can oh, our thank viewers, you for having us. Yeah. Where can our viewers and our listeners go to find out more about your work and what you guys have coming out?
1: Um, we all they can follow us at uh, Pinkers in Show hashtag our website is pinkersandshow.com, and they can see that and we hopefully are going to update we also um have a a youtube uh channel that we need to put up uh there were were some scenes abel made us tame down our show a little bit um in the first season so we got some scenes that we we call it too hot for tv so we're really hoping to put those scenes um up on YouTube as soon as possible. Oh, excellent!
0: Yeah, pinkisinshow pink is the website for your listeners and viewers.
3: Awesome! We are definitely going to link that in the description, and we will keep an eye out for the too hot for TV. That's
2: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Yeah, the super hopefully, fan editions.
0: Hopefully, we didn't oversell at least. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll be great. I'm sure. All right, guys. Uh, for you, you're still listening. We want to su- remind you that if you haven't clicked subscribe yet now is the time to do that. Subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do. It helps our show continue to grow, helps us to get these amazing guests, these great conversations that we've had like today. So please subscribe. It helps more than we can ever really tell you. And so we want to remind you kids, pop culture, it's all around you, influencing every single part of our lives. So be sure to come back next week. We're going to have your fix waiting right here for you on Pop Culture Addicts.
3: Thanks again, guys. Thanks. Bye now. Hey, thanks
2: for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCAPodShow. You can also email us at PCAPodShow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening copyright 2021 pop culture addicts reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by pop culture addicts or any of its sponsors the views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent if you have any questions about this disclaimer please contact us via email at pcapodshow at gmail.com